And what's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKC82 podcast. Second game down. Almost went exactly the same way, but the Thunder fall with seven seconds to go to the Utah Jazz in the game that was supposed to happen uh, nine months ago, and it finally occurred. The Thunder and the Jazz played in Chesapeake Energy Arena, uh, but the Thunder fell, like I said, with seven seconds to go off of a Donovan Mitchell bank shot. The Thunder fall. 110 to 109. Brady Trantham here with Christine Butterfield, who you've heard a handful of times on this podcast. You heard her with Ryan Chapman following the Thunders. Uh, exciting victory over the Charlotte Hornets over the weekend. Uh, Christine, you and I were at the arena, and real quick, I'll just mention uh, two things about the in-game experience that have nothing to do with the game. So I forgot my credential, and thankfully uh, the Thunder just gave me a, like, just hold on to this credential. Mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. And then I was cold. It was so cold in that building. It's probably because there weren't 18,000 people all breathing in there, but I was freezing. You sat right next to me. Uh, I'm sorry if I kept uh, chattering my teeth and disrupting your viewing experience. It's a bit dramatic. Well, I am a bit dramatic. When you cover a basketball team, you have to be dramatic. You have to find a lot of things to get uh, excited for and get pepped up for. But guess what? This Thunder team, two games in, Christine, uh, I think we could have looked at this roster on paper and had you know some pretty good ideas of what was going to happen. And then once the starting five started to get rounded out towards the end of training camp, towards the end of preseason, I think you can could you could even go into the season with the thought that's not a bad starting five. And especially if Lou Dort's going to take somewhat of a half of a step of a leap offensively. If he can do something offensively that the Thunder just have not had at that position basically since the beginning of this franchise with the two guard, if he can do something, well, we know what SGA is capable of. We know what George Hill is capable of during his time in the NBA. Al Horford, of course. Darius Baisley is still in that. We don't know what he is exactly offensively, but we've seen him be able to, you know, rack up some points, rack up the, st- the stat sheet. So you kind of come away thinking that's not a bad starting five. And through two games, Christine, that's been exactly the case. The starting five has been downright very good, very competitive. And just like I said at the beginning of the show, almost a carbon copy of how the Charlotte game went in that it was a game with two minutes to go. The Thunder did not squander a lead, but they threw the starting five back out there with about five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were trying to win the game, and they damn near did. SGA played uh, phenomenal uh, towards the end of the game, got the Thunder up late, but the Jazz just made just a few more plays than the Thunder did. Yeah, I was looking at the starting five, and I thought that they were a very competitive team on both sides of the floor, you know, like... Even though Lou Dort hasn't been as effective in the past couple games as he was tonight, I think that's a key for the starting five is when Lou Dort can be aggressive defensively and still have energy offensively to make enough threes to kind of keep them in the game along with what Shea Gildas Alexander is doing whenever George Hill is on, Al Horford, and when Darius Baisley gets involved. Like That is a competitive starting five, even though a lot of them are young besides Al Horford. Um, it's a really fun starting five to watch. And it just becomes kind of a disparity whenever, you know, the bench decides to go in or it doesn't decide, but you know, Dagno puts them in and then you kind you kind of see the talent drop off and you see them not making as many shots and the defense also is lagging there. So 
they really do need the starting five in the majority of the game for them to stay a competitive team. But it's great watching them being able to stay competitive throughout the game and watching them kind of surprise some people and prove that they could win some games that a lot of people aren't assuming that they would be able to even take on at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Thunder, and it's important to make the distinction, and a lot of fans have already made this distinction, but it needs to be said because we're going to be saying this zillions of times this year. Mark Dagnall, the coach and the coaches and the players are trying to win basketball games. They're not out there with the grand plan in mind when they're playing the Utah Jazz or the Charlotte Hornets or tomorrow night when they play the Orlando Magic. They're going out there to try to win. Despite Sam Presti's Despite wishes. Sam Presti's best efforts. But th- that's, you know, of course, that's the big, broad story that's going to be encompassing this team. But when you're listening to a game-by-game podcast, we're going to be talking about the Thunder in terms of winning and losing, what they did right, what they did wrong. So... Uh, like you said, the starting five, good enough. They're going to be competitive. They're going to help the Thunder be competitive in a lot of these games. Uh, it's just, it's always going to be about the bench. What can the bench do? And when Hamadou Diallo is basically your point guard because uh, he is, I guess by default, the playmaker off the bench. Uh, Teo Maladon did a few things today. Uh, some good, a lot bad. but Some that's risky. Too- uh, some risky, but that's to be expected with a young prospect like Teo Maladon. Uh, nothing wrong. But Hamdu Diallo touching the ball 80% of the time for the bench, uh, more times than not, is going to be bad. And some nights it can be good. I mean, Hami is he's incredibly <laughs> he is incredibly athletic. Uh, it Everybody already has the joke now that he misses a shot and immediately gets his put back. He does that all the time. But, you know, you, you look at the bench points, Utah – uh, I mean, it was actually tied. It wasn't tied, though, going into the fourth quarter. And once the Jazz started to c- regain control after the Thunder really started blitzing them in the first quarter with all those made threes, I think the Thunder started off four for four. Mm-hmm. First half, I think they were, I think, nine of 26 from the three-point line, so around 40%, uh, respectable, pretty good. Uh, but once that started to wear off and the bench played more, you could certainly tell that's the Thunder. Like, that is where the Thunder are going to lose a lot of their games just because of the bench depth. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate how big the drop-off is between the bench and the starters. But with such a young team like this, it is to be expected. I kind of assume that Muscala and Diallo would be Musky a, had a bad little night. bit more consistent. But mm-hmm. uh, Muskie did have a bad night tonight. Um, hope Madison Morris wasn't watching, <laughs> but oh, she'll be, she'll be fine. But, um, Teo did make some bad decisions tonight. And he, like we said before, he is young. He is trying to, you know, obviously learn his role here on the thunder, but, um, he is kind of far off from where he would be if he was going to be the quote unquote backup point guard for SGA. You know, he's not as confident as he needs to be yet. He, you know, sometimes throws the ball away in tough situations. And he also his shots aren't consistent enough for him to be known as, you know, the backup guy yet. Um, I have a question for you, though. Aleski Pokashevsky is such an interesting conversation, yet I feel like he's getting a lot of minutes for what his worth seems right now when he, you know. What did he play tonight? He played. I just had it right in front of me. 14 minutes. Which I think he played a l- just under ten, or no, he played just under eleven minutes against Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but ju- oh, go ahead. I was just I was just gonna ask you, you know, like there's a considerable amount of the bench that isn't playing right now at all. Would you p- 
put someone else in just to see kind of what could work as like the bench five and see kind of what pieces would work there or does it or is it worth it to put Poku in get his face out there get him some minutes get him some experience so that maybe he'll start to improve more since they need to prove that you know they're actually playing one of the rookies they drafted yeah, I mean, it's a good question just because when you see Pokashevsky out there, you know, he's playing 10, anywhere from 10 to 14 minutes basically in just two games, and uh, it's around the same amount of time he played in the preseason games. Um, Chisholm Holland actually asked me this on pregame on 107.7, and we kind of came to the conclusion that you look at Poku's, er, like the early part of his career, especially at the beginning of the season, if we're still having this conversation by game 15, game 20, and he's still barely playing, you know, like 10 or 12 minutes, I think you can start asking questions as like, what, what is he doing out there? Now, again, this kind of goes into you as the listener, you as the Thunder fan, um, what do you care about? Like, do you care about the Thunder losing? Do you care about the Thunder winning? Do you care about them developing their young talent as is? In which case, then you want Poku out there as much as possible. But I think by game 15 or 20, I think Poku's minutes are either going to drastically increase or they're going to drastically decrease. And the reason why is because, you know, we asked Mark Dagnall, what, a few weeks ago, uh, hey, what what are your early impressions of Alexei Pokushevsky? And Dagnall was honest. He was like, I, I really don't have any. I'm deferring to our scouting department. I haven't got that much of a chance to either see him on the floor or see him on film. So I think the Thunder as an organization really just want to get a baseline on him. So that's why you're when you see him out there, you know, he's only out there for 10, 11 minutes, and he's just chucking up shots. I mean, he was 0 for 6 against Charlotte. What was he tonight? I keep putting my he phone down. He was 0 of 2. 0 of 2, um, so. which if you're going to miss shots, don't take a lot of them, I guess. But I, I think the Thunder just simply want to get a baseline on him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dagnall and these coaches are encouraging him, hey, when you're out there, you know, don't be afraid. Do something because they want to get him on film to see where they need to start from because he is such a raw prospect. And that's why I keep saying by game 15, if he's still playing these the same amount of minutes, doing the same type of things, at that point the staff can then to start picking and choosing where to start from, whether it's offense or defense. With defense, it's going to be mental with him, rotations. I mean, I put it out on Twitter during the game. Just watch Pokushevsky. Just isolate on him on defense. He gets lost all the time, and he wanted nothing to do, and I'm not going to blame him because I wouldn't want anything to do with Rudy Gobert. There's a lot of players in this league that don't want anything to do with Rudy Gobert, um, trying to defend him as he gets closer to the rim. I get that. Uh, That happened twice with Pokusiewski tonight calling for help. Yeah. Um, It's just going to get to a point. Once they understand what he is now, then I think you're going to see more of a a concerted effort to either use him or not use him. Yeah. You make a good point with the fact that they do need a baseline for this guy. They, all the film that they're seeing, you know, is him (laughs) across the ocean. So it doesn't really translate quite well D two Greek basketball league. Yeah. It doesn't quite translate. Shout out to to our Greek listeners, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. If you're Greek, please reach out. I would love to talk to you and just yeah. hear everything about. Yeah, your tell life. me that I like. Tell me that I was wrong because I know I'm wrong. I cannot remember what the league was, but I, as far as I know, I don't think it was the the NBA of the Greek league. That's all I know. But go ahead, Christine. It's Olympiakos B. B C B comes after so, A. That would be, I think, the second league. Uh, 
and he was the youngest Euro player in their club's history. So well, the Greeks would say beta. <laughs> you know, where are they? Our would manners? say beta, wouldn't they? But yeah. yeah, you know, you do need a baseline for this guy. You need to know what his strengths and his weaknesses are in the league as it stands now, what he's afraid to do, what he's not afraid to do, what he's comfortable in, and what you need to do to push him out of his comfort zone to improve. And as of right now, I think there's a lot of things that you could do to kind of push him out of his comfort zone to improve. But, you know, he's not hopeless. You know, there are a lot of uh, saving graces about his game. And I think we'll get kind of more glimpses into that as the weeks progress and maybe as he gets more chemistry with the team. But um, other than that, Brady, you did say before that the outcome did remain the same. I mean, no, the it was kind of the same game the last couple minutes, but the outcome was definitely different. It did, again, slightly fall on SGA, also on Lou Dort, though, with um, SGA did have a chance to shoot a quote-unquote ceiling game shot, but he ended up kicking it out to George Hill. George Hill missed the, missed the shot. Yep. Then on the opposite end of the floor... You have Donovan Mitchell going to the rim. Lou Dort decides to play it safe, not foul, which usually is the smartest decision, but he goes up and makes the two. Bank was open. So that leaves the Thunder with only a couple of seconds left for a game-winning shot. Obviously, they're going to go with SGA after he just made the long two to win the game for them a couple nights ago. This time, he goes straight to the rim, and he comes up short. What did you think about all that? Do you um, do you have like a separate opinion of him? Do you think he's? Do yeah. you think that this is like slightly worrying, or what? What's your, what? What's your thought process? Before we get to that, I do want to mention that we are burying the lead, and we will get to it. Lou Dort is here to stay as the most improved player. Oh yeah. Defensive player of the year, and possibly the MVP if he's going to start leading all scores with twenty six points every single time he goes out on the floor. But Brady, listen, I don't think you want me to go on a tangent of how much I think Lou Dort has uh, like how high of a ceiling Lou Dort has. Hey, I can go off. George Hill, Al Horford are already saying that he's going to be one of the best defenders in the league. Oh, he are I think he already is one of the best defenders of the league and I think he can get mm. even better. But no 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 we'll get to that in a second. But okay, uh, okay, to your yeah. SGA question. Yeah I saw your tweet I saw your salty tweet in regards to uh, <laughs> okay, SG- relax. In regards to SGA deferring to George Hill, and look, he he put George Hill in a bad spot because it was I can't remember if the Thunder were leading or if they were down one at this or they down were, two. They were leading. They were leading by one at the time. Okay, so uh, I, I saw the tweet. I I get the sentiment. It makes sense if we're talking about a player that's you know past his rookie deal and is the the fact the best player on the team and also from the standpoint of if you just watch the play SGA kind of fumbled on himself like he got lost a little bit on his crossover um he had enough space to maybe jack up a shot it would have been another long two basically in the same spot mirror image of where he hit the shot uh, to beat the Hornets the other night and I think he just decided I'm off balance a better shot would be George Hill, who's wide open. But unfortunately, I think SGA just kind of lost track of time because as soon as he passed it to Hill, Hill had to just catch it and chuck it up there, and yeah. you know it had no chance. But um, I, I think that it's good. I think that it's good that SGA finds himself in situations like that, and I think that it's super fortuitous that the Thunder and SGA find themselves in mere situations where SGA hits the shot and gets the game winner. That's cool. That helps your confidence and shows that you're – face of the franchise has the quote-unquote clutch gene yeah and then i appreciate the fact that he made a minor you know lapse of judgment mistake in the same moment because 
you it's real it's not realistic that he's always going to hit the shot it's not realistic that the thunder are always always going to be in it at the end of the game so you want to get a little bit of everything and uh, one of the snafus for this game was um, I actually wanted to ask Mark Dagnall the question about developing young players. Do you get more out of it um, if the games are close? And I asked that knowing full well that Mark Dagnall and the Thunder are out there trying to win. So, of course, you want to win. But in terms of developing developing players over a long period of time, do you get more out of it when these situations are like what we were just talking about? You know, close one possession games. We didn't get to ask that, or I didn't, because nobody could, like Mark Dagnall couldn't hear the media over no. the Zoom calls, so that but just that just got nixed. Is that all the media could hear all the media and Mark Dagnall? Yeah. So it, it was it was funny. It was it was silly, but this is what. Covering Can you hear a basketball, yeah, exactly. This is what covering a basketball team in 2020 is all about. But no, I think to your question, in a vacuum, yeah, it's not a good look. It was a bad mistake in a clutch moment. Uh, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I welcome things like that because SGA's a good player. I don't know how good he's going to end up being, of course, but if he's going to be as good as some people think he can be, he'll take that moment and be better for it in the long run. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him misjudging a play or misjudging time that's something that's going to that he's going to learn with time and experience especially since last year he had kind of Chris Paul to shoulder all of the responsibility in moments like that and now he's in a different position than he ever was last season so he's having to make all those decisions on his own and whether he did that before in AAU or whatever that's a whole different story you have to be you have to get used to being the guy in that moment and he, you know, two games ago, or last game, he knew he needed to take a shot. He he recognized the moment correctly, and he just took it. Even though, like we said in the post-game bod, Logic said you should probably go to the rim. Tonight, maybe he got caught up in, you know, just trying to do too much all at once, figured it out a little bit too late, saw that he was unbalanced, uncomfortable, and just kicked it out because he saw George Hill was, in fact, open. But – Again, you have to keep track of that shot clock. You have to keep track of the time on the clock. And that's something that's going to come with experience, just making sure that you're always keyed in and head on a swivel all the time. And that's something that he can learn. And that's not something that's very detrimental to anyone's growth by any means. So I have no doubt that SGA will will be able to take that lesson and learn from it. Yeah, SGA finishes with 23 points, 9 of 21 from the floor. Uh, seven assists go along with three rebounds. So the assister, you know, he had nine assists against Charlotte, seven assists tonight uh, against the Jazz. And just in terms of, like, not just SGA, but in terms of the ball movement for Oklahoma City in two games, uh, I think Clay Horning from the Norman Transcript said it best uh, on Twitter earlier on in the game where uh, it, it's quite remarkable how in sync the starting five is because the ball movement is just so crisp. And uh, I noted on Twitter I think it was at the first time out and the Thunder had, I think they were three for three from the three point line and they had a 10 point lead early on over the Jazz. And in that span of time, it's like maybe nine or 10 possessions. There were two or three possessions where the Thunder hit a three where all five guys touched the ball in the same possession. And what does that ultimately mean for this team? I don't know because we don't know how long George Hill and Al Horford are going to be on this team and if they are traded at some point. That's going to greatly affect that ball movement because whoever the Thunder bring back, you know, they may not be as good team ball movers as George Hill and Al Horford, but it's a great foundation uh, that 
Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, and SGA are in that environment because that's where the Thunder ultimately want to be as a team. They don't want to, ideally, I believe and I would hope, they don't want to be a team that relies on one guy or two guys to do every single thing, score, defend, rebound, facilitate. They want everybody to be able to do a little bit of everything, and you see that in flashes with this team. I mean, Darius Baisley didn't have a great night. He still did a lot on both ends of the floor that make you get excited, and I guess... If you're ready, we can get right into the Lou Dort experience because he brought it on both ends of the floor. Oh, yeah. Donovan Mitchell was eight. Was what? He was 0-4, I think, at the end of the first quarter. And I can't remember if he was still – if he still hadn't scored by the second half or if he was 2 of 10 at the time. Not sure. I know. I know he finished only with – 20 points which for him is like obviously not really heard of most yeah. of the time um but yeah uh, we can get into Lou Dort I think we put it off long enough because I'm about to go off uh I think Lou Dort is such an uncovered gem by the Thunder like just the f- I mean I don't want to get into the whole history of Lou Dort because it's you know been overdone but the fact that you know he came up from the G League he wasn't supposed to be there for that long and he's just we've just kind of seen him grow up and blossom in front of our eyes and and he's carried it into the season even though the first couple games were a little bit iffy he he proved why he's making his money he proved why he came back he proved why he was a starter tonight which was he was guarding donovan mitchell he was limiting his production while still having energy on the opposite end of the floor to maintain his shot which is really difficult to do because there's a lot of talented defenders in the nba who can't be as productive on the offensive side of the floor because they use too much of their energy defensively. Yeah, that's not a problem for Lou. But it's not. He's no. got unlimited energy. He he can just keep on going. Yeah. Which is something that I think Al Horford even said in post game was about how, you know, he Lou set the Dort tone. Brings yeah. the energy, he brings the tone and he just impacts everyone around him. And that's exactly the kind of person you want on your team in the long run. We don't we don't know what's going to happen obviously, but if you can have someone that can pretty much stop any single like effective player on the opposite side of the team or the opposite side of the floor, excuse me, and then put up productive numbers offensively too, it's a one-one situation. And then you don't have to worry about so much defensively and you can kind of rest a little bit on your other players. So, I mean, I can go off, but I, I think Lou Dort did great tonight. And if he – continues down the path that he's on I feel like he's going to turn into one of the one of the most like well-rounded players in the NBA yeah I should have I should have put this out on Twitter before so I could pat myself on the back but I I went into the game thinking you know I think Lou Dort can have a lot of success against a guard like Donovan Mitchell I, I just feel like Lou Dort is going to have more success against guards that are predicated on getting to the rim just from the standpoint of Lou Dort is a physical energetic monster of a as a of a human being uh, and that was certainly the case you know donovan mitchell was eight of 23 from the floor unfortunately for lou dort he he gave up the shot that mattered mostly yep. in terms of trying to win the game donovan mitchell hits the bank shot on lou dort it was a tough shot it wasn't easy lou dort like you said kind of chose to 
save the foul or just not get, play it safe. Not I, okay. not hack it because again, it was a tough angle. I kind of get it. Yeah. Like if he's gonna make this, then more power to him. But I'm not gonna foul him and let him earn it at the free throw line. Yeah. So. I mean, hindsight bias says like, oh, you should have fouled him and like maybe gotten only one point. It would have been tied, whatever. But I mean, do you think that that was the right decision in the moment? No. I mean, now it's it, Donovan Mitchell made a shot. You know, and Thunder fans are probably happy about it anyway right now. Because like, oh yeah, Tank getting Cade Cunningham now. Can't be two and zero for Sam that. Sam Presti's happy. Sam Presti's like, oh good, we can avoid our morning meetings tomorrow. Yeah, I was like, who am I gonna cut today? <laughs> He's like, gotta maybe gotta let one of these rascals go. No, but Lou Dort, uh, twenty six points, which uh, is a regular season game high for the young man. Of course, he had 30 points in that game seven loss of the Houston Rockets a few months ago. Right. Uh, I would say my caution with Lou Dort, because I've been singing his praises about what he can be offensively. And, and most of it just it comes from the standpoint of when he puts the ball on the floor, I like what I see. I don't see a player who's timid. Of course, I don't see a player who is unsure of himself when he puts the ball on the floor or scared. I always use the example of Terrence Ferguson where the few times where he would pump fake and put the ball on the floor, he would either dribble into the boundary or dribble into a trap, turn the ball over or pass it back out. And it ended up just being an empty eight, nine seconds off the shot clock. I don't see that with Lou Dort. I see determination. So that put, that kind of gets my gears going of, okay, he can maybe do something in terms of ball movement. And like we already said, the ball movement's pretty crisp with the starting five. And he's very much a part of that as well. Um, but what worries me is these ex- offensive explosive games are completely predicated on him just hitting threes. He was five of seven tonight. Um, I cannot remember what his stat line was when he dropped 30 against Houston, but they were all threes. Like he was just shooting an insane clip from the three point line. I don't know what he's going to be as a three point shooter just because his shooting mechanics are still a work in progress. They're not, there's not a hitch. It's not an ugly shot. It's not fluid, though. But it's not fluid, and it's not consistent. Now, maybe he'll get to a point where it is consistent, and then we can have that conversation. But as of right now, I think you're just going to see either feast feast or famine from him uh, shooting from deep, which if he hits them, great. The Thunder are going to be right there with a chance to win the game, if not win it because of that. But he could very well shoot the Thunder out of games because he's going to have six, seven attempts, and he can very well go over six or seven uh, multiple nights in a row. If you're if you're the th- if you're Mark Dagno, are you are you okay with that? Like, are you okay with having a player like Lou Dort as one of your starters who is inconsistent with his three point shot, and then allowing it to just kind of have a net balance at the opposite end of the floor and be like, well, I mean, even though there's like there's certainly precedent for of, that on yeah, this team. <laughs> even even if there's you know like six to seven shots missed for the Thunder because of Lou Dort. He's going to stop probably maybe like ten on the other side. Yeah. Is that do you think that that's worth it? I think so, just from the standpoint of if Lou Dort had a broken shot with no hope of that, that's net Andre Robertson was never going to be a good shooter in this league. That is a broken jump shot. You could tell that from the time he became a rotational player to the time he became a starter. That's just never gonna happen. With Lou, we you don't know. You can honestly not make a make a take either way that he's going to be great at it or bad at it because like we said it's not a it's not a hitch it's just an inconsistent shot um and i think the only way that you can fix that is with more reps more time so it just goes into of course because 
while he may shoot the thunder out of a game in the future uh, with six empty possessions or so, um, he will still help ball movement. He will still uh, be able to drive to the rim. He got his pocket picked two or three times getting to the rim, didn't get foul called. But he, for whatever reason, gets called. Um, he, he gets bailed out on a lot of foul calls because he's so big. And, it's- you know, you can get to the free throw line, and that's great too. So I welcome him being a very much part of the offense, more so than an Andre Arbison, maybe even more so than a Tabo Cephalosha ever was. I think he does a lot of things offensively that don't go on the stat books. You know, like I think his picks are really Him strong. setting screens, that's that he, that gets me like fairly excited for if the Thunder get back to where they want to be. Yeah. If they can set the precedent now with him mm-hmm. and he's a part of the future, hey, set screens and he's like all bought in on it. That will be fun to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, because his like just his body type, like he's so strong that anyone going through a pick situation with him is going to be hard to hedge off. So just his body there is key, but then also his positioning is spot on and he's able to just roll off effortlessly. And I mean, his off ball movement is also very strong as well. He's just very in tune with how the court vision works in his favor. I just, I think he's so powerful that that's why half the time he doesn't get called for fouls because if a uh, if someone is trying to force an offensive foul on him or whatever or something like that, it's easier for refs to believe that his body is so big that it people just bounce off of him anyways because he never really he never really goes in to reach like he's. He's very straight up. He doesn't really ever try to sneak in anything like that. So if people bounce off of him, it's because his body's just thick. And I think that's why he kind of gets the better in the deal most times than not. Of course, I mean, we're going to get really ahead of ourselves this early on in the season because this is all we have, you know, this is all we can go off of is just what we saw. I mean, Uh, who wants to whine about a loss? Like, come on. No, I mean, people are excited for losing. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a fun season yeah. for Thunder fans because, look, you can understand like tanking is important and losing a lot of games to get draft picks very important. But at the end of the day, if you're sitting down, you know, seven o'clock after a long day at work, and you're watching your favorite basketball team, you don't want to watch them lose. You don't want to watch them get their ass kicked. You know, you're gonna become a fan and root for them to hit shots and play good defense. I mean, the Thunder played even the bench. You know, as you know, we crapped on the bench. They didn't play awful. The defense overall was really phenomenal by the Thunder. They held Utah to two fast break points. That's incredible to me that they held Utah to two fast break points, and the Jazz still won. So, Thunder fans, just be happy. Like It's a good foundation to start from when you are effectively blowing up a franchise that had, at one point, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and then Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and then Russell Westbrook and Paul George. When you blow up something like that, that type of history, you're not supposed to have this good of a foundation. You're not supposed to have an SGA or a Darius Baisley or, or a two-way contract former guy in Lou Dort that actually gives you something to be excited for for the future. And then, of course, the plethora of draft picks. And then even a Pokushevsky who um, I would say is two years away from – Anybody having an honest take on him. We don't know what he is now. We don't know if he's going to suck or we don't know if he's going to be great. So if you're out there having takes on Pokushevsky, don't waste your time because you're going to see plenty more of him 
and he's going to get exceptionally better or marginally better or just be the same. So it's only time will tell with this, with that player, with all these players and the team. My only takes about Oleski Pokashevsky are about whenever he looks like an animal. Like his yeah, you body. said he looks like a camel. Well, uh, so my first <laughs> my first take about Poku was that he looked like a newborn deer trying to walk, which I still stand by right now. But then also tonight I was like, you have really long limbs and just kind of try your best. I feel like you're kind of a camel. So I, 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 I would I prefer my rookies tonight. play. I would prefer my rookies try their best. You yeah, know, he's trying his best. He's do he's doing what he can. I'm not faulting him for it. I'm just saying I think he kind of looked like a camel tonight. Is that? Is that is that a hot take? Or is I, that... I don't know if that's a hot take or uh, I don't know if that's politically incorrect. I don't know what that is. I don't know is. either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The, Please don't the, light me on fire. We're going to have to let the listeners decide on that one. But, oh, uh, yikes. Any final thoughts, Christine? Because we will be back tomorrow night in Chesapeake Energy Arena uh, for Yay. the Thunder taking on. As of right now, I think they're still undefeated. The Orlando Magic, I'm assuming they're not playing tonight. Uh, but last I checked, they were 3-0 and um, undefeated in the NBA and the Thunder no longer sit atop alone at the Western Conference now that they are one and one. Yeah, you know, I I guess one of my takeaways from tonight was I guess I thought that Teo would have a little bit more in him tonight. I I thought that he play I, I from what I've seen him in the past couple of games, I assumed he was gonna play better tonight. So he kind of um he was under his abilities that I projected for him to do, even though it wasn't that much better. I, anytime he, you know, turned the ball over, I was like, Oh, didn't see that one kind of coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, I really thought the starting five was strong. I thought that they were fun to watch and I didn't know if I really thought that the thunder were going to be super fun to watch this season. So just watching them, watching their chemistry, watching them make some really insane shots, watching SGA kind of take on a little bit of Chris Paul's legacy of mid-range floaters and off-balance shots. It was kind of interesting just to see how they've grown and see what they look like now. Yeah, if they can hit him, it's not a bad shot. Exactly. So. If they make them, it's not bad. What about you? Um, I would just say going forward, if I'm Teo Maladon, I take a little bit more onus on trying to run the offense when I'm out there, especially with Hamadou Diallo. Um, I like Hami. He's an exciting player. He brings a definite spark off the bench. Uh, but there was too much Hami running the offense while Teo was running off ball, and that's not what I want to see. I think the development at this stage needs to be Teo running the offense. But um, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> it's mainly just comes from the standpoint of we know what Hami is and we have a better understanding of like he's close to his ceiling. Right. Um, but uh, he can still bring something to this team. Don't get me wrong, but I want to see more Teo, I guess, running the offense, maybe just selfishly because I just don't know what that looks like uh, more than Hami running it. But um, yeah, the Thunder lose 110, 109, uh, seven seconds to go to the Utah Jazz, but fret not the Thunder are back in action tomorrow night in Oklahoma City against the Orlando Magic. Christine and I, I think with Jerry Ramsey, will be in the arena tomorrow night. Uh, but we will also be doing this on the radio uh, because just like the last season or two, I think probably the last two seasons, whenever we're doing post-game shows on the radio, uh, please, of course, catch those live. But if you don't, we will just take all the audio and put it up on this here podcast feed on OKC82. So uh, a little bit different 
segment, a little bit different energy because the radio's certainly a different thing to be on rather than just a podcast in my apartment uh, 10 o'clock at night when it's freezing cold outside. Um, and then, of course, Matt Burton, our producer, will be joining. Jerry Ramsey will be, I think, involved. Christine, you will be involved. We're going to figure it out as, as we go along, but OKC82 will soldier along. But Christine, thank you so much. Thanks, Brady. I'm glad you got credentialed and got into the arena safe and sound. Me too. Did you like sitting in an empty arena watching a basketball game? You know, I kind of am a, always been a half half glass full person. So I was just happy to be there in person watching basketball, mainly because I know that there's so many people out there that really wish they could be there, really want to be there, but unfortunately, just due to everything that's going on, are not allowed at this point. And even though it's not the same, it's not what we're used to, I'm choosing to enjoy it, not only for myself, but for them. And so I had a great time. It's It was a lot better because I was next to you and that's something that kind of brought me back to last season and made it fun and I mean I I'm not gonna speak for you so if you didn't think it was fun next oh season, it, fine, it was it's definitely fun it's I appreciate the job and I'm thankful for it uh, I, I I guess I had too much of a hot take during preseason games of like this is boring I don't see myself doing this 40 times this year but the regular season certainly it obviously is more important, feels more important. It makes the job feel more important. So, yeah, it kind of felt like normal, but I want life to return to normal as quickly as possible. I want all those things to take care of themselves so I can see 18,000 fans in that building because yeah, um, in the doldrums of the second and third quarters when the game starts to slow down, like I kind of need that energy pick me that up. Oomph. Yeah. I uh, bef- Sorry, before we end this podcast, there was a free throw that was missed because I think – it was too damn quiet. <laughs> it was either too damn quiet. No, George or- Hill hit a technical free throw. Uh, he's playing in his home arena, so it would be quiet. But you, you'd hear like the cheers and like, ha ha, it's a tech, blah, 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 blah. One more and you're out. And then you start to hear the crowd get real quiet really quickly. And then George Hill like cocks and shoots, makes it. But you're kind of used to that rhythm, that audible rhythm. If you're a player, if you're just going to basketball games, but yeah. it just being a tomb in there. People are gonna miss free throws that out. would otherwise not make that would otherwise not miss them because it's just this is weird, right? Like I was just thinking about this today because sometimes I think to myself, I feel like it should be easier because you have no distractions. But then at the same time, you're so used to distractions and you're so used to having so much going on that isn't there a calmness and regularity? So now we're gonna find out. There are gonna, gonna be happen? some wacky free throw percentages this year. I'm all for it. I cannot wait. We'll find out. But everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for more. Listen to 107.7 The Franchise all day tomorrow. Uh, We'll be on it all day, of course. But everybody, thank you so much. Sorry the Thunder lost, but maybe I'm happy the Thunder lost for you. I don't know. It depends on how you feel. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.